The Heisman voters decided it was Caleb Williams. We're going to talk about that. His chances of going back to back and could Dylan Gabriel thwart that effort on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman from 9 to noon. Also talking all things Sooners and sports in general. Josh, man, how was your weekend? It was good. Had a great weekend. Hope you did as well. Let's just dive right into it. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman confess that this did not for me without an Oklahoma guy really in the mix and there wasn't even like a hate viewing for me because again I don't hate Caleb Williams this didn't hold a lot of interest for me from a television perspective because kind of felt like going in Caleb Williams had the thing on wraps if I had a Heisman Trophy vote which I've not applied for and I do not have a Heisman Trophy vote Caleb Williams would have gotten my vote I think that he was a deserving Heisman Trophy winner the, uh, the numbers, the accolades, I think they speak for themselves. How he was able to, not single-handedly, John, but in a lot of ways, almost single-handedly overnight, morph USC from a lousy, lousy football program and lousy, lousy football team to obviously a, a team that was, you know, one Pac-12 championship game, went away from going to the college football playoffs. So to me, look, it did not hold any legitimate television viewing interest i had uh, other things that i would rather do with my weekend versus watching caleb williams win the heisman trophy but i do think he was a deserving heisman trophy winner and i don't you know have a big beef with how the the heisman trophy voting broke down after that i think duggan finishing runner up to me i mean that makes sense yeah i think as soon as tcu lost that game to kansas state in the big 12 championship game it felt like it was going to be caleb williams all the way for the Heisman. That was the buzz you were getting on social media. All the stories were talking about him as the favorite. You know, yes, there were a few that were wanting to laud Max Duggan or maybe even Stetson Bennett. But I mean, it was Caleb Williams had a phenomenal season for USC. It, it, hey, we miss you. We wish you you would have stayed, but you had a great season. He won the Heisman over there for the Trojans. And unfortunately, there, or I say unfortunately, I don't know. Their season came up short. That is what it is. It's interesting to me, though, I feel like, and maybe this is a greater discussion we can have at some point, but the Heisman Award has basically become like the best offensive player on the best team award, or at least on one of the best teams award. Will we ever get back to a point where we see defensive players like legitimately considered for Heisman or running backs legitimately considered for Heisman? Because it's been a while. Uh, I think maybe Derrick Henry was the last one um, to to carry you know, significant contender status for the, the Heisman Trophy. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's a quarterback award anymore. 
Uh, I think I saw a stat was like 18 of the last however many 22 or whatever were Heisman or were quarterback awards. So I don't know. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool ceremony. It's a cool tradition. I just wish it had more breadth to it. I guess is like, yes, Caleb Williams was great. And maybe this year was one of those years. It was not, there weren't really any great running back contenders except for maybe Bijan Robinson or Deuce Vaughn. Um, but yeah, there weren't really like a lot of wide receiver contenders, you know, Will Anderson was getting a lot of preseason buzz down there at Alabama, but I don't know if maybe it's just Alabama season didn't really allow for his Heisman contendership to grow. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think obviously for Will Anderson, no doubt the fact that Alabama lost a couple of games worked against him, which you could turn around and say, well, wait a second. Well, what about Caleb Williams? I think it's just the difference in where the two programs respectively have been at, right? I mean, Caleb Williams did elevate USC in a way that Alabama simply didn't need to be elevated. And oh, by the way, Caleb Williams plays quarterback, and you're right, it's a quarterback-driven award. The, uh, I mean, I don't know how many of these you want to run down here, but the, the, the winners of the award just dating back to Robert Griffin III in 2011, okay? RG3, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Devontae Smith, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams. So largely, yes, this is a quarterback award. And typically it goes to the quarterback of the best team or in Caleb Williams case, the uh, quarterback with probably the in-season best story, which I think would also apply to Robert Griffin III, right? And Lamar Jackson. So there's a couple examples that sort of buck the trend of you have to be on the absolute best team to win this award. I think the interesting thing is, to me, Caleb Williams got a legitimate chance to go back-to-back with this thing. And we have not seen that, obviously, but just the one time in Heisman Trophy history. It's almost as though when you win the award, if you have another season, there's you've got to be so good, man, to go back-to-back. It's got to be a perfect season and other people have to just simply not be very good. I think at times, but Caleb Williams, if he can lead USC to the college football playoff next season and has similar numbers, John, he's going to have a definite chance to go back to back on this thing. Yeah. And it's kind of silly that they haven't gone like Tim Tebow probably could have won the award in 2008 when Sam Bradford won it. Now we're not going to sit here and argue that Sam Bradford didn't deserve it because he had a great season himself. But just the idea that, okay, if you win it as a sophomore, you don't get to win it again. I'm sorry, you're done. Or the idea that freshmen can't win the award, it's kind of just antiquated at this point. Yeah, if you go back to the 70s and you're thinking, okay, the last time that a player went back-to-back was Archie Griffin, you're like, okay, two guys haven't had elite consecutive seasons? That seems odd to me. Uh, So I think you're right. I mean, the guys that probably could potentially stand in his way, the one that stands out the most is Drake May. Uh, out at North Carolina. If he stays with North Carolina, there's been rumblings that he might be in the transfer portal at some point. But I mean, that that's the kind of the guy that that stands out the most. Um, I don't know if there's really anybody else. Dylan Gabriel, if you look at different publications, you know, prognosticators, he's kind of in that dark horse territory needs kind of the rebound or he's like 10th out of 10 quarterbacks that are listed. So yeah, man, it looks kind of like Caleb Williams is going to be the, the front runner again, I say front runner again, but he's going to be the front runner in the 2023 uh, Heisman Trophy race. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, they're off to the NFL. They gone. Uh, 
Stetson Bennett, he won't be around. So unless it's like a guy like Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning or I don't know, maybe Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, uh, one of these young quarterbacks, right, in the signing class that maybe we just don't even know about really yet that others know about um, is is Hinton Hooker will be gone, right, from Tennessee. So yeah, I think so. Maybe Michael Penix out of Washington, like yeah, would would have a chance though. I mean, the team success factor. I'm not super confident there for him that he's going to be a le- legitimate factor to track down Caleb Williams. So yeah, you start thinking about some of the names that aren't going to be around even makes it more likely that Caleb Williams has got a chance to go win this award. Uh, the, the Clemson quarterback, he'll have a chance. Yeah. I think be club, next, he'll have a chance next year. And then the youngster coming in for Tennessee, if Heupel and company, if they can duplicate right out of the gates, what they, they did with hooker, he'll, he'll maybe have a chance to go win this award. So it's going to be interesting. I, you know, you you do have to include Dylan Gabriel, I think, just because place like Oklahoma, I get it, six and six season. Let's see what happens in the bowl game. But almost just because of the history of OU and the Heisman Trophy winners that Oklahoma has turned out in the last, what, since the turn of the century, you, you do kind of have to have, I think, Dylan Gabriel on that short list, John. And had Dylan Gabriel played against TCU in Texas, Maybe they still lose those games, but maybe he puts up, you know, the, the kind of production that you'd like to see from a Heisman contender. So just real quick before we move on, uh, Paul Meyerberg, our colleague over at USA Today Sports, he uh, had his top 10 for 2023. Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, number two, Cade Klubnick, number three out of Clemson, Michael Penix, number four out of Washington, and then Brock Bowers tied in out of Georgia. And then OU's uh, bowl game opponent, Jordan Travis out of Florida State at number six. Donovan Edwards, running back, Michigan, number seven. Drew Aller, Penn State quarterback at number eight. Marvin Harrison Jr. Now there's a really interesting name for you. Number nine out of Ohio State. And then Dylan Gabriel at number 10. So those are kind of the the names to watch on the early watch lists for the Heisman Trophy. Speaking of Jordan Travis, the Oklahoma Sooners are going to get to play him here in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about that after Josh talks to you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com backslash locked on college. That's where you can go to post your job for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network. You just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in developing quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs, again, helping you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash college. linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Where did you say Mr. Travis was on our Heisman big board for 2023, courtesy of uh, our man, Mr. Meyerberg from USA Today Sports? Number six. And here's what he said. The Seminoles are expected to take another step forward in 2023 after winning nine games in coach Mike Norvell's third season. Their improvement can be linked to Travis's own major gains in the starting lineup. He was superb down the stretch with 16 total touchdowns and just one interception as FFCU won five in a row heading into bowl play. 
So the question I have is, Travis obviously is uh, playing in the game. He's expected to be a Heisman contender. I, you know, I don't even know if we say Heisman favorite, right, for next season yet. Though he's on that maybe second little set of the staircase, right, down the pecking order in terms of who some of the national talking heads and voices will be considering as a leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy for next season. I don't want to fall into the pitfall of what we did a year ago with the Valero Alamo Bowl, though I tend to, just generally speaking, John, philosophically speaking, I tend to subscribe to the idea that bowl games do in fact matter. And for a program like Oklahoma that's 6-6 six and six coming into this thing, and really they get to play an opponent above their weight class in Florida State just based on how the season shook out for Oklahoma and somebody in Jordan Travis for Florida State. I'm not here to pop champagne and tell you that there's about to be a trophy celebration next year for Oklahoma if you go out and you go win this bowl game, John. But I do think that how Oklahoma plays, and particularly defensively what they do versus Travis in this bowl game, I do think it matters for Oklahoma. Does it add anything to the game for you, the caliber of quarterback that the Sooners will face? I think it does, in particular because he's such an athletic player. He's a really good running quarterback, and that's been Oklahoma's problem all year long, whether it was Adrian Martinez or Max Duggan or Donovan Smith in in limited role against Texas Tech or, uh, shoot, you know, Jason Bean to an extent, like there were problems that Oklahoma had with running quarterbacks. Now that Garrett green, West Virginia, like that's the, the prime example, a dude that came in at halftime and completely took over the game because Oklahoma struggled to stop the running quarterback game. If they're able to spend, you know, these next couple of weeks and the weeks you know, leading up to this episode, figuring out how to slow down the quarterback run game, or at least figure out a way to be more disciplined in it then I'll feel better. You know what I mean? Like they won't completely shut him down because he's just been too good this year. But if they can at least make the right decisions on the read option play on the, at the mesh point, if they can make the right choice, even if they get beat a few times, at least they're making the right decisions as opposed to, you know, crashing down on the running back. Jordan Travis keeps it and is able to, you know, buck outside and pick up big yardage. You know, if they got a spy on him, and they, they just execute that well. You know what I mean? Like just little things, I'll at least feel encouraged about where they're headed. I mean, it's going to be a tough task for them on both sides of the ball because, I mean, you got Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison gone to the NFL draft. Chris Murray's gone as well. So you're, you got three offensive linemen out of your starting lineup that are going to be needing to be replaced. You're, you lost Eric Gray to the draft as well. Uh, you're tied in Braden Willis. He may play in the game. He may not. We haven't heard anything from him yet. We're still hoping for a senior bowl invite for Braden Willis. Uh, Marvin Mims is going to play. Dylan Gabriel is going to play, but offensively you're, you're looking to be really, really young uh, at some really critical positions for your team defensively. Like you mentioned, it's, it's going to be a tough test. I think, I think Oklahoma can hang with them in the passing game, but it's going to be how well do they contain the run game? That's going to allow them to be better against Jordan Travis, the Florida state Seminoles passing attack. That's, and I, I, so I do think it, it does bring some juice now, this is not an SEC opponent, so probably they'll actually take the game seriously because, as we know, the SEC doesn't care about bowl games, right? That's, that's the thing we've heard for the last uh, decade. But I do think that when Oklahoma played Florida 
and Kyle Trask played in that game a couple years back, I do think that that brought a little bit of extra for the Sooners, even though Kyle Pitts wasn't playing in the game. The fact that Florida's starting quarterback from the season did play, I think that did bring a little bit of extra energy to the game, extra life. Somebody you couldn't really like, you know, walk into the game thinking, oh, we got this because it's not their starter. Well, you're going to be playing Jordan Travis, who's had a really good year, helped Florida State have a really good year, and is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in 2023. Somebody who I think a lot of people are really high on right now. And so it, it's it's going to be a tough test. And I think it does bring a little bit of extra life to the game. Me too. I absolutely think it adds some juice to this thing because you got somebody in Jordan Travis, right? And Trey Benson. Benson, by the way, the Seminoles running back, nearly a 1,000 yard rusher, right? Jordan Travis, we know we've talked about where maybe his Heisman, early Heisman candidacy, uh, you know, where it is at heading into 2023, just some of the general buzz there. 22 touchdowns through the air, four interceptions. So he's been really good taking care of the football, has thrown for nearly 3,000 yards, 2,800. Let's just round up, right? It's 2,796 through the air. If you want to be specifically specific, he's also run for 350 as well. So this is somebody, like you said, that is the, look, he's, he's a definition of a dual threat quarterback. And oh, by the way, he could have left, John. He, he absolutely could have gone and made his decision to declare for the 2023 NFL draft. He, like Benson, they're both choosing to come back to Florida State. And this is just a quick quote. Yeah, we're going to be special. We are going to be special. A lot of guys that have a lot of experience. End quote. That's Travis talking about next season. Now, he was sort of prompted in that direction by a Florida State reporter. But that's the buzz, right, for Florida State coming into this thing is they have the momentum of a season where, John, it's been a Florida State program that – Let's face it, since Jameis Winston left, has been wildly disappointing, and yet they're on the uptick, right? 9-3 and three regular season. Now they're talking about how special next season could be. So with all of that baked in together into this uh, Sooner cake for this bowl game, I do think there's a little bit something we can take from it. Again, if OU goes out and plays well and shuts down Travis and the Seminoles, I will be elated. I'll be over the moon. I'll be buying in hook, line, and sinker to a degree – that it sets Oklahoma up to turn that corner defensively next season. But I'm also not going to get totally out over my skis from a bowl game, John, and, and totally taken away by the dough. But I do, generally speaking, in closing, think it adds a little extra juice for the game. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some things that we can take away from this game, even if we can't, I don't know, big picture it. You know what I mean? Like there will be individual performances and unit performances that will definitely – be things that we look at and hope to be able to translate to 2023. It's just a matter of how much stock we put into it after what happened last year, uh, going into this year. So yeah, I think there's, there's gonna, definitely going to be some key things to watch in this game and, and how they contain the Florida state offense in particular, Jordan Travis is going to be huge. All right. We're going to continue to talk transfer portal. Theo Weiss has got a destination. He's got a home. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things that are buzzing for Oklahoma. Uh, but first, let me talk to y'all about Simply Safe. Simply Safe is the number one home protection unit that you need for your home. It was rated number one, the number one home security system by Consumer Reports. Sorry, U.S. News and World Report for the third year in a row. And our listeners can get a forty percent discount here for on the Locked On Sooners podcast. 
by simply going to simplysafe.com using promo code locked on college or simplysafe.com slash locked on college to get a discount. Simply Safe, they've got you protected. They have monitoring that also alerts you when there's fires, floods, or other threats to your home. And that 24 seven professional monitoring system costs under a dollar a day, less than half the price of a traditional home security system. Again, simplysafe.com slash locked on college to get 40% off of your home security system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. All right, Josh, the transfer portal is a buzz. We spent a lot of time talking last week on on the transfer portal. So if you missed any of those shows, spent uh, you know our Thursday night show or Wednesday night recording Thursday show with Parker Thune going going over some of those things as well. But haven't had any new commitments except for Austin Stogner, right? Austin Stogner committed to the Oklahoma Sooners, and that's a big one. We spent time talking about him. But Josh, what does that commitment do for the Oklahoma Sooners? Well, it first and foremost adds a big time playmaker to the offense for Oklahoma. I think uh, every bit the pass catcher and after the catch, I think maybe every bit is good and when fully healthy, maybe dare I say even a little bit more than what you had with Braden Willis. So we've seen big time football from Austin Stogner in the past. If he can stay healthy, if he can be healthy, it's a huge receiving threat for Oklahoma at the tight end position in its offense. It's somebody they can, you know, flex out and, uh, you know, feel comfortable splitting outside. It's somebody they can have in the box if they want to go that route. And oh, by the way, it buys just a little bit more time if you need that little bit more time for both Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn. So I think probably those for me are the the biggest takeaways with it. But look, it's a huge get. And I'm happy for Austin Stogner because the buzz that you hear and see out there, John, is that kind of the wheels got in motion pretty quickly on his transfer decision out from OU. And there was, you know, some of the buzz out there is that there was always a part of him to some degree that missed Norman, Oklahoma. So the reunion makes sense for both sides. I think it, again, adds a big-time playmaker for Oklahoma. And Sooner fans, look, they're going to welcome welcome Austin Stogner back with, with open arms, no doubt. Yeah, I'm excited to bring that one back. Uh, the buzz continues to grow for Dave McCullough, the four-star safety uh, out of Indiana, who was committed to Cincinnati at one point committed to Indiana, his father leaves. Indiana goes to Notre Dame. He flips his commitment to Cincinnati. Now it looks like Oklahoma is in the market for Dave McCullough and potentially will flip him. Had him in town for a, a visit uh, this past weekend. And then also Deshaun McCullough, the uh, former four-star edge who played this past year for Indiana as a true freshman, racked up four sacks, six and a half tackles for loss uh, as a true freshman. Again, the buzz continues to, to grow. It looks like Oklahoma might land those two guys. I think that's going to be huge. You add an immediate piece into Sean McCullough, and then you add a piece that potentially could play alongside Peyton Bowen at, at safety if they're able to land both of those guys. And I think it helps to, to build your safety depth, which you desperately need. You got Billy Bowman. We really like what we're seeing, at least the, the small flashes we've seen out of Robert Spears Jennings, but then it also gives you two safeties uh, for the future. And then again, with Deshaun, you get a guy that you can throw into your edge rotation like right away. Well, and you need to just keep stacking personnel, recruiting class after recruiting class, because if we've learned anything, and part of this, I keep hearing from people, John, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cool off in a year or in two years. 
don't worry, the transfer portal, it's not going to be like this after the COVID season and all that has come and passed the eligibility there. Okay, I keep hearing that, but I'll believe it when I see it two years down the line, right? So to me, I look at it and I say, you need to continue to stack talent year over year over year because I think we're kind of going to be doing this song and dance most every December in most every off season going forward, John, that's my belief. Now, obviously time will tell the story on that, but I'm sort of thinking that it's not going to be that unusual for 15 players to hit the transfer portal each and every off season, just because they're folks that come in, especially at a place like Oklahoma, a lot of times, John, where you are a blue chip player, right? And you come somewhere like Oklahoma, you expect to play and win championships and do all those things. And then well, the championships factor aside, just the, the playing time portion of it, if you don't play, then you're looking at it and you're saying, well, I'm a blue chip player. I'm going to go somewhere and play. So with that, all of that in mind, yes, you need to you need to add somebody like a Bacola. You need to add a Bowen. Yeah, it's huge for them. I think, again, all things are pointing to them finishing the recruiting class strong. I mean, they're still targeting wide receivers. Uh, we saw that they were going after Dante Cephas and um, – Blanking on the other Ra -Ra kids. Thomas. There you go. Ra -Ra Thomas. Thank you. Uh, but also they're looking at Dorian Singer from Arizona who led the PAC 12 in receiving as well as uh, Louisiana, Louisiana tech wide receiver, Trey Harris, who was a first team, all conference USA player. So still attacking the wide receiver portal as well. Looking at some offensive linemen. I think they're, they're looking to add wherever they can because they got to build depth. They're losing a lot uh, to, not just the transfer portal, but to the NFL draft as well. So got to continue to build on that front. We got a Theo Weiss commitment decision going to Missouri, which I got to, I got to tell you, I was kind of worried he was going to go to USC. Um, and so, you know, Hey, if you had gone to USC more power to you, Theo, it'd have been fine. But I was not looking forward to what could have been a not so great day on social media. Had he decided to make that decision. Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, for him, playing in a Lincoln-Riley offense with Caleb Williams on the surface sounds great. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, could have been a really good decision. And obviously, he had his best season of his career when healthy, you know, with Lincoln-Riley as the head coach. So all of those factors at play make sense for why maybe you would have made that move out west. But when you really break it down and start thinking about the personnel that's already on roster – for USC and what they're bringing in in the recruiting class. I don't know that necessarily it did make as much sense to Theo Weiss to go join USC as perhaps some maybe would have made it out to be. So I think, you know, with the Missouri decision for Theo Weiss, you got somebody in Dominique Levette, right, who was the leading receiver for Missouri. He's gone, right? He's hit the transfer portal. He's out. Yeah, you got a five-star talent there in Luther Burden the third. uh, there's some other guys, Makai Miller, I think, and uh, Cooper are both expected to be big-time contributors for Missouri. But Theo Weiss has got a chance to come in and fight for being the number one option, right? Fight for being the number two option. But that was going to be the case at C. And really, at this stage of Theo Weiss's career with two years of eligibility left, he's trying to get to the league, right? He's trying to show that that five-star talent that he was coming out of high school, that that exists, that he is that guy, that – he is the player that he was in 2020 for Oklahoma. So to me, this makes sense. Uh, I don't know a ton about Brady Cook, the quarterback at Missouri. I see the numbers, what they look like. I can't sit here and confess to you that I've sat down and just watched a ton of Missouri Tigers football this season. But just from the standpoint of what the receiving room around him 
will look like, I think it makes sense from that standpoint. And I think it makes sense to go to, to the SEC where you're going to be against some of the best competition in the country and you have a chance to put up. If you put up good numbers, you have good a good season against good competition. That's only going to boast your draft or boost your draft status uh, as well. Speaking of the SEC, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't spend some time talking about Mike Leach. Uh, it broke on Sunday afternoon that Mike Leach was rushed from his home to the hospital uh, after undergoing a serious medical event. Um, there's no details as far as what's gone on, but it sounds like he's in very uh, serious condition. Critical condition was air flighted uh, there from um, Starkville uh, to uh, Jackson, Mississippi, where he can, could continue to get further treatment. So our thoughts and prayers go out to Mike Leach and his family, uh, a very, you know, integral part of college football. Like he's one of the most beloved figures in college football. It doesn't matter to the fan base. Uh, I mean, from the big 12 to the pac 12 to the sec from Lubbock to Norman to Washington to Mississippi. It's his, his open and honest demeanor at times has just been a breath of fresh air for a sport that um, takes itself sometimes too seriously. And so, you know, we, we know the impact and the legacy he left, even though he was just in Norman for a short time, I think you can still see his fingerprints on Oklahoma because of what he did uh, as a, as an offensive coordinator and as an assistant uh, with the Sooners in that short time. Brought a national championship to, to Oklahoma and will forever be beloved here because of that. I think about the Mike Leach, at the cotton bowl story. Have you heard the story where he, he intentionally dropped the play card and the, the Texas coaching staff found it and they thought they had every play at the beginning of the game mapped out and Oklahoma man did obviously the exact opposite of what was on the play card and, and really got off to a fast start in that 99 OU Texas game. Uh, obviously they didn't win that game, but just, just like the most Mike Leach story of all time to think to do that. But uh, no, I, I look the reports out there from multiple individuals. Uh, it's a critical health situation, a critical condition situation for Mike Leach. So that report is out there. I don't want to speculate a whole lot on Mike Leach beyond that, just to just due to the sensitive nature of it. But uh, no, I mean, look, beloved in Norman, Oklahoma, and will always be beloved by Oklahoma fans, no doubt. So just praying that things praying that we get a good result, right? The result that everybody hopes for. Yeah. And so if you, if you're a praying person, you know, please, you know, send your thoughts and prayers out to Mike Leach, his family, all the medical professionals that are helping to care for him. Um, and then also just for the, the Starkville community and really the college football community as a whole, there's a lot of people who have been touched and impacted by Michael Leach's life. And again, we're praying for a full recovery and uh, good reports and results over the next few days. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners.